0: All right, let's make our way back to Hebrews 11. Of course, you wouldn't be surprised if I said, let's look at the end of chapter 10 just one more time. Just the last few verses of Hebrews 10 to help us roll back into Hebrews 11. As I've said many times as we've been through Hebrews It's really difficult to find a stopping place and what you want to present every Sunday morning because it's just so connected in every place as it reads as a sermon. Uh, And so it's good for us to to look back and remember where we were in 10... And also think about how we dabbled our, our, our feet and waded into to chapter 11 a little bit last week. And we made really uh, two major claims that were earth-shattering last week. Um, chapter 11 follows chapter 10. It does. And so, as I'm saying, it's really important for us to remember what he's told us in 10. So that we can absolutely understand what he wants us to know in chapter 11. But the other thing that we saw <laughs> was in verse 1 of chapter 11 where we cooked down that, that, that grand definition of faith. The assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. We cooked it down and we came up with two aspects being shown there. This internal and this external. The internal boiling down to trust. And the external boiling down to God. Trust God. That is our simplest definition of faith. Again, nothing earth shattering but something we cannot forget. As we read through chapter 11, this iconic chapter where we see all the saints of old. And not we, we see their grand feats. Of obedience their grand feats of sacrifice their grand feats of victory and even their grand feats of death and so when we get into Hebrews 11 it's good to remember 10 and if you notice I read the beginning of chapter 12 It's good to remember the context because we could get sucked into Hebrews 11 and just think these are such great stories. These are such great saints. And forget that there is a purpose that the preacher of Hebrews is wanting to remind you of these stories you know so well and of these people of faith that you know so well. And what is it? It's a reminder. It's not just a reminder, but it's also assurance That to live by faith, to endure life, reward is at the end. God keeps his promises to those who live by faith as we live and endure in this life and in this world. That's why we see in 35, look at your Bible, I'm sorry, 34, He's telling the Hebrews, some of you have gone to prison for your faith. Some of you have had your property illegally confiscated. But he says at the end of it, but you knew that yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So he reminds them in 35, so don't throw away the confidence that I have shown you In the beginning of in middle of chapter 10 is that God has saved you by the will of the father, by the work of the son and the witness of the spirit and be confident in that and have hope in that very much, very much Advent teaching of looking to the end. And he says, if you do not throw away your confidence, what is there at the end? Great reward. Great reward and then he reminds them in 36, but you will have to endure. This will not be a walk in the park. This will not be a piece of cake, but you will need to stead, remain steadfast. And as you're remaining steadfast, you're not just holding on for dear life, but you're seeking, as he says, to do the will of God. And then what? Receive what is promised. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And then he gives us a quote. He says, yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. The second advent of Christ. He will return. And as he returns, he says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. But he gives a stern warning. He says, but if you shrink back. My soul has no pleasure in you. Such a harsh pill to swallow this morning, considering the audience of the preacher of Hebrews is people sitting in the pews. You must not shrink back, but live by faith, drawing near to God, right? with confidence into the holy places. And where is that? It is the throne room of God, the presence of the Father. There beside him, the presence of the Son, standing on your behalf as your mediator, your intercessor. And, And while we wait on his return, he has given us the witness of the Spirit that we might confidently draw near into his presence. But if you do not draw near, if you shrink back, if you fade away, he says, my soul has no pleasure in you. And he says that you will be destroyed. But he does not end 10 with such a bleak statement, but gives encouragement. And he says, but we are not those. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who have faith and preserve the souls. And then we get to 11. Now, he says, I want you to understand what faith is, and then I'm going to show you what it looks like and how I keep my promises. And last week, that's what we did. We looked at faith. We learned that faith is trusting God and internal, looking at the external. We saw that faith is the only way to please God, and we'll come back to that today. But then we get to the pattern that we see in Hebrews 11. We get to this pattern that is very repetitive. By faith, so-and-so did whatever. Action is always a fruit of faith. But then we also see in this pattern that God keeps His promises. So here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm not going to go through... Example by example, you know character by character, story by story, but we're going to draw out of these old saints and their works by faith and find in it major emphases of examples of how we apply it to our lives as we live by faith in Jesus Christ. And so I've got a uh, just this main point phrase for you to hang on to. And if this is the only thing you take away today, then that's great. It's a two parter main point. And here it is. Living by faith is living day by day with the eyes of your heart fixed on Christ as your greatest help, your greatest reward, and your greatest possession. And if. Believing that and living by that, that Jesus Christ is your greatest help, reward, and possession in this life and in the life to come, your life will mirror those in Hebrews 11. It will be unavoidable. So our goal this morning, I want to approach both of those parts and then Find a conclusion there. So I want to convince you that Christ is your greatest help. He is your greatest reward and he is your greatest possession. And therefore, you must fix your eyes on him. You must be fixated to him. And then I want to show you how that comes to play in living by faith like the ones in Hebrews 11. And then at the end, uh, we'll quickly connect it all to what we see today. And that is baptism and advent and so first living by faith is living day by day with the eyes of your heart fixed on christ as our greatest help reward and possession in this life and the life to come now if you've listened to any other hebrew sermons sermon series you've been to another church and they preach through hebrews you've probably noticed that a lot of pastors title the sermon series the same or there's one major theme that most people like to talk about when they teach through or read through hebrews and it's just simply jesus is better if the if the writer of Hebrews could come in here to, and say, I, this is this is the main thing I want you to understand in in the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is better. He's wanting to convince you, or remind him and or uh, you and his audience that Jesus is superior. He's supreme. We see it from the very beginning. Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. He's better than Israel. He's better than Aaron. He's better than Aaron's sons. He's better than all the high priests. He's the better mediator. He's the better mediator of a better covenant. Jesus is the better sacrifice. Everything about Jesus is better. And he wants you to know that. And he wants his audience to know that. And you just have to remember, he's talking to professing Christians, just like yourself. And he's having to remind them that Jesus is better. So let's step back a second and let's be honest with ourselves. That maybe we live in moments and in seasons where we put something above Jesus. Whether it be in our use of our time, our money, how we handle people, our goals, it could be anything. We are in constant need of a reminder that Jesus is supreme, always, now, and forever. But you notice the other theme in Hebrews is warning. Pay much close attention. Hold fast. He's so much better. You cannot miss it. You have to hang on. You cannot let go. You have to remind one another. He wants us not to forget. Who Jesus is. And what he has done. And therefore we must not let go of him. But why. Why is it so important? Because as the warning goes. Jesus is the only way out of this world alive. That's it. You neglect it, you neglect the salvation. You don't hold fast, you fall back away from the throne of God. why is that so important, though? It's so important because here's the test. Here's the test of what you think about Jesus. Here's the test of if you hold fast. It's just life. You might have worked all night last night. Your kids might have been sick. You might have lost your job. The transmission's out again. All of these things, all of these things give you an opportunity. Is Jesus better? Or is there another way? That's right. All of these Opportunities are tests and trials to say, will you hold on to him who is supreme? That's what these these, these Hebrews were having to deal with. And we won't get in all of that because we've, we've talked about it before. He is our only help. He's our only help because when life hits, your natural tendency, my natural tendency, inherited by our first parents is self-preservation. It's idolatry. Our natural tendency is to push God out of the way and exalt our own selves. So we have to understand, the only help you have is Jesus. That's it. That's all you have. Look at chapter 12. Look at the first three verses there. And again, the the big point is 12 is after 11 and is after 10. So it's all going to flow together for a purpose, right? Right. Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run. Okay, that is just saying let's live. When we walk in the scriptures, we're living. When we're running in the scriptures, we're living. When we're in a battle, this is our lives. When we're up against an enemy, it is living. Let us live. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Life. Looking to Jesus. There's nowhere else to look for help. That's it. Looking to Jesus, and you say, I can't see him, Luke. I know. You must see him with the eyes of your heart. You must see him by faith. He is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is him. And it always has been, even for these saints of the Old Testament. It was Christ. They didn't know his name, but it was Christ that they looked to as they were waiting on the first advent. He is the author, the founder, the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him. Look to Him who endured. Oh, He did it. He endured. We must endure. Where must we go for help? To the one who endured completely. And finally, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may grow weary or faint hearted. If you are to endure in life, you must you must fixate upon the cross of Christ. You must always be looking by faith backwards at the crucified Savior. And at the same time, you must always be fixating your eyes to the heavenly places where the crucified Savior is risen and ascended and sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Now hear these words from Romans 8. Don't turn there. Just just hear these words of our Helper. who is at the right hand of the uh, right hand of God? Who is indeed interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Not tribulation, not distress, not persecution, not famine, not nakedness, not danger, not sword, not a long nights of work, not wrestling with your kids, not bad bank accounts. None of these things will separate you from the love of God. Not even death. But now death is our friend, ushering us into the very reward and promise we have in Christ. Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We must look to Christ, fixate on him as our help, or you will not make it out of this world alive. Living by faith is more than seeing Christ as your help or as your savior. But if you see him as your help and you understand the value of that help, you will see him not just as help, but your greatest possession, your greatest treasure. So great That you are willing to risk everything just to keep him. You'd be willing to die for the sake of holding on to him. You know people have done that. And they're still doing it today. People die because they hold on to Christ. To the very last breath. I was watching a, I saw a video the other day. I'm ashamed of myself because I couldn't watch it for very long. I don't know what the country it was, but it was a pastor who was forced out of his church and someone was recording this with a cell phone. And there was a group of guys just beating him with sticks just beating him with sticks because he had done what I'm doing right now Christ is better He's our help He's our greatest treasure No rods stones or persecution can separate us from him. And what a reward. A reward that says I don't care about pearly gates or mansions on a hill. I don't care about Golden streets. I want my Lord. I want my Savior. Look back at chapter 9. I ask you this. Is this... Verse 27... Can you honestly and truly say this is your heart? And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those, here it is, who are eagerly waiting for, for him not because the world's so bad and you got to get out of it not because the situation's bad not because persecution's happening because you're eagerly waiting for him you've seen it you've seen daddy come home and come to that door and that little two-year-old is just he he or she she they hear the keys jingle and they know it's about that time of the day and what do they do they get so excited because daddy's home They're not worried about whatever else was going on. They're just so thankful that he is here. The heart of a Christian who is looking to Christ as help and his great reward and great treasure is eagerly awaiting to come home, to be in the presence of Christ The psalmist says, I'll, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire, desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail. And I just don't understand why it doesn't just say it will fail. Because we know it will. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I pray that's your your heart today. That you find satisfaction in the presence of Christ. And that you desire to see Him as He is. We must have this mindset of keeping our eyes fixated on Christ if we are to live by faith because that is what living by faith is. The only path of endurance, the only path that pleases God, the only path that preserves the soul, the only path that exalts Christ as King, living day by day with the eyes of your heart fixed on Him as our greatest help, reward, and possession. Now second, what does this have to do with Hebrews 11? Everything. It has everything to do with. It. That's why when you what we just talked about is encapsulated in two words all throughout this, by faith. By faith, Abel, blank, Moses, whatever, Noah, warned, Abraham did this. By faith these things took place. So instead of walking through these, I took some time and I, I I found about five categories. If you've got a certain trans certain translations, they're actually in the paragraphs. Uh, the KJV doesn't have the paragraphs sectioned up like this. So I'm going to give you the verses that I found and these these themes in each section. And here's the here's the kicker. If you keep your eyes fixed On Christ, in this way, these things will happen to you. These things will be. You will mimic the lives of these old saints if you are living by faith. So rapid fire, here we go. Number one, verses 8 through 12 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac, Jacob, heirs with him and of the same promises. So the first one, you could read the rest, the rest of that paragraph, chapter 12 at home. If you keep your eyes fixated on Christ, you will be obedient in the dark. God told Abraham, come on, let's go to a land I'll show you. And he obeyed. But how did he obey? By faith. He trusted God. And when you trust God, you trust what? His word. Or we could use another word. His promise. And Abraham not knowing. And you can read the rest. Also, Isaac's born in the unknown, in the unseen, in the dark. No matter how unsure you are about the end result of your obedience or how it's going to happen or how it's going to turn out, when you see Christ as your greatest help, reward, and possession, it doesn't matter how it works out. It doesn't matter how you get there. What matters is is you want to obey because you trust, because Christ is your greatest help, reward, and possession. Number two, verse 13 through 16. I'll give you the, the phrase before we read it. If you keep your eyes fixed on Christ, you will live, you will live as foreigners and sojourners on this earth. Verse 13, these all died in faith. What a statement. Do you know what that means? That means they lived by faith. The fact that they died in faith, they lived by faith to the very last breath. Not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. I'll tell you what, this world wants to make you its son or daughter. It says, come and have what I have to offer. And the writer of Hebrews says, no, don't go. What the world gives you is, as Paul says, dung. Christ is better. We read the passage this morning in, uh, in uh, Colossians. I'll read it. You don't have to turn there. He says, Paul says uh, to the Colossians, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is on earth. No, it's hidden with Christ. And where did we just find out that he is? In the heavenlies. This world is not our home. It has nothing to offer to us. Do not bow down and worship it. Do not create a kingdom on this world. The world is not our home. We're just passing through. But we have conviction in our heart. That we are on a way as Abraham to a city built by God. Number three, verse 17 through 22. Uh, Let's go down to 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. You know what verse 17 is really good too? But by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. If you are to live by faith, by fixing your heart, the eyes of your heart on Christ as your greatest help, reward, and possession, you will present your children as a living sacrifice. They're not yours, they're his. And what faith does it take for a mother? To give her children over, out of her hands, to the living God. By faith. What faith does it take for a father not to chase a buck, uh, the, the green kind or the brown kind, either one. And give of his life for the sake of raising his kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. If you live by faith, you will will give up your children as an offering to Him. And you will teach your children just how valuable Christ is. And you will teach them that He is altogether lovely. So when they scurry on into the world and and the world tries to offer them a taste, they've already tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And they say, no thanks. Number four. Verses 23-28. through 28. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. So his parents are the ones who are operating in faith here. Because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They feared not man, but they feared God. I'm willing to, I'm willing to disobey the king when he comes and tells me to disobey God. Take my head, but you will not take my faith and obedience to God. We will fear not man. The words of Christ just do us well here. Do not be afraid of them, Jesus says, for nothing is hidden that will be revealed. And nothing is secret that will not be made. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Instead, Fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body and hail. May we obey God even if it leads to our death or a loss of a job. A lowering of an income. Broken fellowship with a friend or family member. May we obey God and not man. May we lose. uh, For we may lose this life. We may lose this life, and ultimately the reality is you will lose this life, but when we forsake this life, we hold on to a better and abiding possession, and that is Christ. Number five, the final one, verses 29 through 31. This is my favorite. I'm going to read verses 29, 30, and 31. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So here's number five. If you live by faith... With your eyes fixated on Christ, you will follow the foolishness of Christ. And you might be thinking, Christ doesn't do foolishness. Well, to the world he does. To the world, Christ and Christians are nonsense. Think about it. You are Israel. And you come to the Red Sea. And you're like, Moses, what are we going to do? He goes, we're going to walk across it. And the waters part. And come on. That's foolishness, Moses. I'm not going to walk through there. Or you get to Jericho, big bad Jericho, and God tells you, what are you going to do? I just want you to walk around it seven times, blow your horns and yell. That's foolishness. Or what about Rahab? Rahab's neighbor is knocking. Here, I see Israel, they're coming. Yeah, I'm going to help them out. And Rahab's neighbor goes, you're foolish, Rahab. Christ is no fool. But to those without faith, he is nothing but a lunatic, a myth. But the words of Christ again do us well. And here's the foolishness of the world. And the, the foolishness for the professing Christian who's deceived themselves. He says, follow me and pick up your cross. You know what Jesus is telling you to do? Die. Give your life. Not bear burdens. But give it all up and follow me. If you do it, They will call you a fool. Glory be to Jesus. By faith, we consume Christ day by day because without him, we will perish and we will be destroyed. Now, to conclude, a quick word to Advent and baptism. We today, by the providence of God, are set between these two advents. The first of Christ's birth and the second of his return to his creation. This week our theme is faith. Next week it will be hope and we'll finish Hebrews 11 as we look to hope in the last few verses. If, if you are truly eagerly awaiting Christ to descend in glory to judge the living and the dead and to dwell on him or to and to dwell with him on earth forever you must fixate your eyes on him you cannot shrink back because if you do and he returns you will be destroyed his words not mine As we await his return, you must draw near. You must take yourself. The words of Peter in John 6. Let me read these to you. You must live by these words as you await Christ living in this world. Because you understand in John 6, a flock of believers run away. A flock of believers turn and hightail it away from Jesus. And Jesus asked them, will you go also? He asked the twelve, will you go also? And Peter responds, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Is that your heart? Is that your faith? That you see all around that there's nowhere else to go. For Christ has it. And he is it. But then Peter says something we usually leave out. And he says, Jesus, and we've believed. And we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And we all who have come to know this, we all cry out as we wait his second advent. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Now today, uh, poor Evie's getting baptized. <laughs> I say that because the, the water heater didn't work like we was hoping But that's okay because she is, she is going by faith. Today, Evie, today, Evie, and whoever comes to God in baptism pleases God, but not in her act, but in her faith. As we've seen in chapter eleven, we are commended not by our works. But by our faith, for without faith, is it impossible to please God for it by the people of old received their condemn or their commendation, their approval. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts all through his faith. Though he died, he still speaks. We are justified. Before a righteous God. Counted as innocent. In the same manner of Abraham. What is it? By faith. And he believed. And it was counted to him. with. Uh, it was counted to him as righteousness. For without faith. It is impossible to please God. We must understand something. As we look at a Hebrews 11. You can get caught up. In Hebrews 11. As in. Oh. I gotta live that way. I gotta do that. I gotta obey. I gotta sacrifice. I gotta give. I gotta do all these actions that I'm seeing in Hebrews 11 and the Old Testament saints. But I want you to understand: these good works of the Old Testament saints were not necessary for God's approval. They were commended by faith, but their their works were inevitable. Because they live by faith. Do you see? True living faith. Even the thief on the cross. He died in faith. Unable to accomplish anything of the sort that these in Hebrews 11 did. But do you know that we could write the thief on the cross into Hebrews 11? It would sound like this. By faith. The thief on the cross rebuked the other criminal saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? This man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There in that moment, the thief on the cross lived by faith in the last moments he had. He endured to the end. He endured to his last breath. And do you know who he had his eyes fixated on? Jesus. He had his eyes of his heart fixed on Christ as his greatest help. And boy, he needed help, didn't he? And as his greatest reward and possession, he had nothing. But he had Christ. He had Christ in the last moments that he lived. And he had Christ and the life that was to come. And so I repeat to you the words of our Lord Jesus. And I want every one to hear. Repent and believe the gospel. For the kingdom of God is at hand. You may not be able to see it. But by faith you can enter into his glory. Covered by his blood. Raised with him. To walk in a new life. Come to Christ. Fixate your eyes on him. Quit looking at the world. And see him as the greatest reward, help, and treasure. Let's pray. Father, would you hear these words. And by your spirit. Work in fruit. Forty, sixty, a hundredfold. For we know that you work not in vain, but to your glory and to the exaltation of your Son, all by the power of your Spirit that you have graciously poured out into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.